we will be uh, preparing for a water baptism in the next, uh, probably uh, more like uh, beginning, beginning of April, actually. Uh, March will be filled with uh, Easter things. So uh, if you need to get baptized in water, let us know. If we need to do it earlier in March, we could do that, but um, I'll wait to hear from some of you. I had three people ask me last week about getting baptized in water, so I think it's time to do another one. Amen? So we are uh, continuing our, our study, our preaching in the, the book of 1 Peter. Um, I said last week that uh, that was a challenge to put together a sermon based upon where we happen to be at that point, and that was about government. And if I thought last week was a challenge, uh, this week is even addressing. So am I on? Yeah, okay. Peter is addressing something that in our country no longer exists, but he uses it to as a springboard to talk about something else. So now that I have you probably confused, why don't we just read the scripture and you'll see what I'm talking about? So First Peter chapter two. Can we stand together? Starting at verse number 18. 1 Peter 2, verse number 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer... If you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. We used to underline things in our Bibles, but if you do, I would underline that part of that verse. To this you, you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd an overseer of your souls. Well, Father, we want to thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for the freedom we have in this country to read, study, preach, proclaim the word of God without governmental interference. Help us, Lord, to take advantage of the, these opportunities to study and to learn from your word and to benefit from the preaching of your word. Lord, your word says about preaching that in the, in the, in the dynamic of preaching the word of God, faith is released and faith is encouraged. So Lord, may your blessing be upon this message. Lord, you know I need your help with this one. Really, I re need your help in an extra, extra way for this one. But Lord, I, I'm confident you're gonna speak to us. May your Holy Spirit let us know what we need to know today. And may you be glorified as we proclaim your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Can't wait till next Sunday, church. Next Sunday at this time, Richard Leahy will be here. Uh, coming off of Saturday night. Really, invite somebody to come, please. 
Invite a family member, a co-worker, a friend, a neighbor. Let's try to fill up this place next Sunday with people that need to hear the gospel. I've already invited several people for Saturday night. I think Saturday night is going to be probably a community type of event because many people know Anthony from when he was here several years ago. And they want, to, they want to see him. They want to connect with him again. But I'm trusting, Lord, for new people that don't know Jesus to come. In fact, I put on the sign out front this week. I changed it. I said, from pop evil to Jesus Christ. Now, some people are saying, what's pop evil? Well, some people know what pop evil is. Pop evil is Anthony's old rock band that he was a, the guitarist for uh, seven, eight, nine years ago. He got delivered from that lifestyle. But many people still go to see Pop Evil. They're still popular. So hopefully someone will come in next Saturday that needs to hear about this God that changed Pop Evil's lead guitarist life. Amen? Amen. All right, so continuing today, we're, we're continuing along the theme of being submitted. Last Sunday we talked about being submitted. But if you look with me quickly... Verse number 13, won't go into this deeply, but verse number 13 talks about being submitted to the government. That's what we talked about last week. This week, verse 18, servants be submitted to your masters. We're going to talk about that. Verse number, chapter 3, verse number 1 talks about wives being submitted to your husbands. And everybody said, uh, that wasn't a very good amen, but, but we talked about it last week where as wives are submitted to their husbands, guess what? Their husbands are also submitted to them and would live their life in, in sacrificially for them. And then chapter 3, verse 8, it basically it says to, to be submitted to one another. But see, all this, uh, this is like a, a moot point if we're not surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ in the first place. It does us no good to be submitted to government or our boss or our, our family or whatever unless we're submitted to God first. Um, when we submit to God, everything changes. Hearts change. Emotions change. Desires change. Minds change. That's the, one of the biggest miracles. When I got saved, guess what? My mind changed. I saw things differently. Behavior changes. So today, this is another area that we need to submit to God. I, I put it in the category of a lifestyle or a mindset, although Peter presents it as a servant-master relationship, which I said earlier, in most places in the world, this doesn't even exist anymore, although it does in some places in some degree. But the point of the message is, Christianity must affect every area of our lives. I've entitled the message, Real Christ Followers. So last week we talked about submitting to government. This week we're talking about submitting to our work environment, our boss, our work relations, and our lifestyle. Um, verses 18 to 20 talk about the issue at hand. In verses 21 to 25, talk about the motivation and the example to continue. So let's start as we usually start, verse by verse. Verse number 18 gives us, gives us a, a problem right off the bat. It says, my trans, I use New King James. Servants, be submissive to your masters. However, in other translations, it says, slaves, be submissive to your masters. Or bond servants, be submissive to your masters. Now, let me just say this up front. That Peter is not addressing the moral issue 
of slavery and, and masters and servants and all of that. He's addressing how to live within a system that is basically already corrupt. But slavery in the Roman Empire in 64 AD is not similar to American slavery in the 17 and 1800s. It's a, it was a different type of, of relationship. I will just say this. The American slavery in our country should have never happened in the first place. Right from the get-go. We're going to address that in a minute. But in AD 64, the Roman Empire had probably, as, as I've studied, 60 million slaves or servants or bond servants in their culture. There were probably more slaves than there were citizens of Rome. And many of the slaves or servants were educated as I studied, doctors, lawyers, professional people, some were criminal people, but these were people that were, that were captured as the Roman Empire expanded and took in prisoners from other nations. They got everybody, and they made all those people their servants. In some situations, they had a good relationship with their master. Others, not so much. But uh, the, the problem, not the problem, the situation was at this point, Many of these people were coming to know Jesus and they were coming to the churches. So we think sometimes we have issues in the church today. That was a major issue at that time. What do we do? What does what does the church do with people that are in a relationship that are owned by people? And what about if a master gets saved? What does he do now? Because it's in it's in the culture. It's in it's in the environment. So um, it's an issue. Are there ramifications for today? Yes, there are. But Paul addressed this. Let me read a couple of scriptures. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 5, he said, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. See, he's not morally fighting it. He's just trying to figure out how to live within it. And I think at this point in the history of the church. The church is uh, basically trying to do two things. One is survive because the persecutions are just getting ready to happen. And the other is to proselytize and present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dealing with moral issues came much later in church history. At this point, it was just let's preach the word of God and, and let's survive so we don't get thrown to the lions. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 1, Paul wrote, let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. That's interesting. He says in Colossians 4.1, to the masters that become Christians, he says, Masters, love, uh, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing you, are all, you all have a master in heaven. So did they address the issue? Yeah, from that point of view. But there's one other thing. In 1 Timothy 1.10, which we won't get into right now too deeply, but I remember when we were going through the epistle of uh, Paul's epistle to Timothy, he was writing in 1 Timothy 1, all these behaviors like adultery and um, ungodliness, unrighteousness, murder, and he throws in the word kidnappers. All these things are opposed and, and against the law of God. These are things that Jesus came to forgive and mend. And as we were studying that passage, I studied the word kidnappers. 
And the word kidnappers really means in the Greek language, uh, slave traders. So you have a situation where the trading of, you can't own people. Come on, you, that, that's not, that God would never condone that. That's, that's wrong right from the get-go. However, in the culture they were in, they weren't at the point to deal with that. They were trying to survive. In fact, there were many moral issues, I mean, it, that we would say, why don't they deal with that? Like the role of women in society or the role of prisoners and what, what happens to prisoners. I mean, in that culture, it was very mean-spirited, very nasty, many different ways. So slavery was just one of many issues that the church had yet to address. But I just find it interesting that here, uh, Peter and Paul, but here Peter is addressing a situation that many people in the churches had to deal with. Um, So verse number 18, he says, uh, so he's saying servants who are Christians, you know, that's not, that's understood. But servants who are Christians, be submissive to your masters, whether they're Christians or not. And be submissive with fear, not only to the good ones and the gentle ones, but to those that are harsh. Verses 19 and 20 kind of explain that a little bit deeper. Verse 19 says, it's commendable if because of your conscience towards God. What he's saying is, if, you're, if your faith is causing a problem with your master and you get punished for it, that's commendable. If you're doing something you know, foolish or sinful, and you're being punished for it, well, you deserve to get that. There's no big deal in going through that. But if you're suffering for, the, for conscience sake, for the, for the cause of Christ, you know, that's commendable. You're doing the right thing there. Verse 21, what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, that is, uh, that is commendable before God. So, in this passage, my, my feeling about this is that the issue of slavery was used as a springboard to talk about something greater than the social issue that they were dealing with. Well, we could take that in many different directions. We could talk about the moral issue of, say, abortion. We could talk about the moral issue of uh, assisted suicide or the moral issue of homosexuality or gay marriage, all all these different things. But the bottom line is, the bottom line with all of that centers around, around who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do. If we get that settled, everything else could be settled. Because if we get that settled, then people will just have to make a decision what they want to believe and how they want to live their lives. And in this country, in many countries, there's freedom of, you can believe whatever you want to believe. So no one's going to make anyone believe in this gospel that we share. But our role is to present the gospel. So what Peter does, I find this Really, uh, every time I read Peter's epistle, I think about the uneducated fisherman that had an encounter with Jesus and his life was transformed. I know it says in another place at the end of the epistle, he had someone write this for him, you know, longhand, but he was telling the person what to write. And he gives a very deep thought right here. So we could say whatever the social problems are in life, Bring it before God. I, I've had people ask me many times, what do I do with a, a relative of mine that's uh, entering the gay lifestyle? 
Well, what do I say to that? I say, introduce them to Jesus and let Jesus deal with that person. Love them, help them, let them see in the word of God what, what you believe. But we can't change anybody. We really can't change anything. But if we keep Christ central to our mindset, to our being, we'll see God work through that to deliver people in the right, in the right way. I, uh, I, I've always thought that, I've shared this before, I've always thought that the church needs to be involved in political situations, political decisions. Uh, last week I shared about that, how it was the church that was involved with the abolition of slavery and children's rights, women's rights, um, civil rights, civil, civil rights movement, human trafficking nowadays. The church always has to be involved but our motivation is because we have surrendered and submitted to God. As we have submitted to God, we understand our role is absolutely, Jesus said it, be, be salt and be light. Let your light shine before men. We, we live in a mixed up, fallen world. The scripture says it's a perverse generation. We live in the middle of all of that. So what do we do? We're going to get mad at people and bash people and yell at people and do all these crazy things. Well, let's live a godly life, first of all. Let's demonstrate what it's like to be a, follow, a Christ follower. Let's not judge anyone yet. Let's remember from whence we came, as a matter of fact. Do you remember from whence you came? I remember from where I came from. I, I was 26 before I yielded to God 100%. 26 how I wish I could go back from age 16 to 26 and relive my life. I'd be a, I have a whole lot less baggage, but what am I going to do? I am where I am. But I remember where I came from. Some of the thoughts and reasoning I had did not line up with the word of God. And the sad thing was, I didn't even know it. I thought I was doing the right thing. I just didn't know what the word of God says. So our role is to, is to love Jesus, submit to God 100%, and he will direct our steps. And I believe there are some people here, maybe some people online, that have a calling to get involved in this aspect of Christian life. Not everyone will do this. Not everyone will get involved with Massachusetts Family Institute or uh, focus on the family or ministries like that, but some might. There may be someone here that, that would tap into that ministry, those types of ministries, and report back to us what's going on on the political scene. Like, uh, you know, this is an election year. I don't want to go off too far, but this is an election year. This country, as we go on, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be crazy out there. Everyone's going to have an opinion. Even the Christians are going to have an opinion. Our role, come on, live for Jesus Christ. I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say who I support. I, that's not my role to, to sway this congregation. My role is to encourage you to look at, the, look at the, uh, the people running, what they believe and what they stand for, and vote for the people of your, your choice as they line up with the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it doesn't matter what party they're in. It, it matters what they stand for, what they believe in. So, yeah, this is a big topic today. Big topic today. So let's go back to this. So, okay, so verse number 21. He says, this is your, your call to do this. Well, that, that's like, man, uh, I don't know. This is saying, this is contrary to a lot of preaching I hear in America today. This says, you're called to suffer for the cause of Christ. 
You're caused to deal with your situation the best way you can. And if you get, if you get offended or hurt or people come down on you for your faith, say la vie, brother. That's what we're called to do. We're called to do that. I can remember many years ago when I was working in a prison and uh, in North Carolina, and there were many good people there. Uh, the inmates were wonderful. Some of the f- staff were difficult. And yeah, any Christian that was in that environment was really criticized, ridiculed. I remember during that time, Pim, you remember, when we first got saved, we moved to North Carolina. And I come from a background of being a house painter. I was, my father was a painting contractor, so I learned how to paint, how to paint. So we moved to North Carolina, and I was going back to college, and I figured we needed to make some extra, I needed to make some extra money. So I got a job as a painter, house painter. You know, those painters down in North Carolina were just as, just like the painters from New York. They didn't like me for many reasons. My hair was too long. My last name they couldn't pronounce. And I was a Christian. And they, they would get on my case all the time. I was a new Christian. I had to bite my tongue many times. But I realized they're attacking me. I'm just trying to live my life and make some money here. And so I, I did the best I could. But it, so if you have a work situation, there's some application to that. But, but here, verse 21, this is what we're called to do. We're called to suffer for Jesus. We're called to live out our faith, whatever situation we find ourselves in. Colossians 2, 6 says, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. As you have received, however you were at that time, begin your walk with Jesus right then and there. So verse 21 ends with the phrase that we should follow in his steps. I remember uh, a long time ago, Pamela, you know, would go to these, uh, you know, garage sales or whatever. She came back with a, with a book. Antique shop. She came back with this old, worn-out book, about this big, all worn out. And I said, wow, this looks like a good book. It was on the shelf for a long time. One day I picked it up and started reading it. It was called In His Steps by Charles uh, Hayden. Charles Hayden. Sheldon. Okay, there you go. And I said, hey, this is really a good book. (laughs) I did some research on it. This book has sold millions and millions and millions of copies. I'm so behind the curve here. I had no idea. This was written in the late 1800s. But this idea of in his... How many of you remember the little wristbands? WWJD. What would Jesus do, right? That comes from that. We're walking in his steps. But I read that book and I thought, thought, man, if, if we could just walk in the steps of Jesus, our whole community would be changed. First of all, our homes would be changed and our communities would be changed as well. So look, look at this with me, if you would. Um, verse 21, for this you are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, verses 22 to 25, this is amazing to me. This is what I mean about the beauty of the word of God. How many of you know Peter? You, you know who he is, right? One of the 12 he, he, he denied the Lord. He was always talking out of place and whatnot. But he was there watching the suffering and the crucifixion of Christ. It says he, he was watching from a distance. But here he's, he's actually drawing from Isaiah 53. 
and putting it with his own experience and putting it out here for all of us to read. Verse number 22 uh, is Isaiah 53, verse 9. The one who we're supposed to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Verse 23 says, uh, he was reviled. He did not revile in return. Isaiah 53, 7 says he opened not his mouth. Uh, it says that he suffered and did not threaten. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 7 say that he was wounded. He was bruised. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, but he said not a word. Verse 24 says he bore our sins on the tree and Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, He bore our griefs, our sorrows, and our iniquities. Verse 24, the last part, uh, says that by his stripes we are healed. That's a direct quote from Isaiah uh, 53 in verse 5. And verse 25 says, um, You were sheep going astray. But Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray, each to our own way. But here he says, We've all returned to the sheep. Uh, the, the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. So I, I think as we look at this whole thing, uh, the more important issue is not slavery or masters or your work problems. The issue is, who is Jesus in your life as you live your life? I mean, most people have to work and most people aren't crazy about their jobs, but you have to because you have to make money to pay your bills. I mean, it's a blessing if you get along with everybody, especially your boss. But that's important, you know, I would never disc, you know, discount that, but it's more important is how you live in that situation. Someone said, you know, when I came into the ministry many years ago, they said to me, so Pastor Rick, what, do you sit around all day and read the Bible? I said, listen, <laughs> you think it's tough in the world? You try working with God's people and see what that's like. That's a whole nother thing to deal with, right? It's a whole nother uh, way to, to live. But uh, I could write a book one day. Maybe I will. But I want to I talk about, about uh, four areas. I, wanna just, I won't talk long. I, I, I said a lot already. But, uh, so the title of this message is Real Christ Followers. Have you heard that term recently? It's pretty popular. Are you a Christ follower? It's kind of cute, I guess. Christ follower, yeah, I follow Christ. But you know what that means? It means you die to yourself. If you're really following Christ, you die to yourself. You're living to him. So I, I entitled this Real Christ Followers. I'm going to give you four things real quick to think about. The first one is this. Real Christ followers take the high road. I know a lot of Christians want to get even. A lot of Christians want to get the last word in. A lot of Christians are self-righteous and self-justified. Even pastors, even yours truly has to deal with this, this issue because we're all human, we're all made of, made of flesh. But a real Christ follower will take the high road in our circumstances. So if we're suffering for our faith, some of us may get this in our families. Well, I can remember early on in our lives, our Christian lives, we were always in church. Well, that didn't go over too well with our families. They didn't understand it at that point, what that was like, why you were doing that. Why is that so important? You know, why, why is it so important on your job to, like when I worked in a secular job, 
I would take my lunch break and read my Bible. Why are you reading your Bible? You're always carrying that Bible around with you, like putting me down for doing something that I think was valuable. But whatever, if we go through persecutions or we're treated poorly, real Christ followers don't fight back and don't get even. We stay strong, we stay positive, we stay focused on Jesus. Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Jesus said this, Blessed uh, you are blessed when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for your reward is in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets before you. I would say if you're dealing with something at home or on your job and it's uncomfortable, you've entered into a, a realm of existence that good men and women of God have already been through for the last you know, generations of believers. You're entering into the sufferings of others. Philippians 4.8, one of our favorite, whatever things are good and positive and noble and just and of good report, think about these things. You have Christ in you. You're not alone on your job or in your family or in your neighborhood or wherever you are when you feel the pressure to conform to ungodliness. You're not alone. The Lord is with you and the Lord will strengthen you. But he is looking for a people that will take the high road. Let me give you an example. When someone says something to you and you're ready to bite their head off, bite your tongue instead. You'll be a lot happier later if you bite your tongue. You can think about it, pray about it, complain to God about it, but don't do it. Because sometimes the words we say, they linger. They can linger for years. And sometimes an apology doesn't even cover it. But just bite your tongue. Take the high road. Don't do what your flesh is telling you to do. Here's number two. Uh, A real Christ follower will will look out for other people. It says in verse number 21, we're called for this. But I want to explain where I'm going with this one. We're called to take a high road um, in our country and in most countries in the Western world. There is religious freedom to do whatever you want to do. Although I, I know there's indentured servants and human trafficking, labor camps and so forth. But, but real Christ followers that are living in freedom recognize the beauty of our situation. Aren't you glad you were born in America? I'm glad I was born in America. I never had suffered for anything in my life. I may have gone hungry a few times, but that was my own doings. But we're free. We can do whatever we want to do. But as such, we have, been, <clears throat> we have been given a tremendous opportunity to be a blessing to other people. But real Christ followers see the needs of other people, even in our own country. So I, I would just say, you know, if you're a Christ follower, see, look, observe the lonely, the hurting, the struggling, the sad, the poor, the needy, those that are being persecuted, um, the addicted, those in human trafficking, those that are handicapped, those that are, are, are living in some type of abuse. Um, ultimately, we're called to come alongside of people that have issues in life. Now, whether you like that or not, that's the role of a Christian today. You know, Jesus said, you know, he said, when you feed the hungry What did he say? You're feeding me. He said, when you're giving drink to the thirsty, you're giving me something to drink. 
If you're clothing the naked, you're clothing me. If you're visiting those in prison or in hospitals, you're visiting me. So a real Christ follower will see a need and help meet that need. Whether it's through work relations or work abuses or uh, people taking advantage of other people. But Christians, real Christian, real Christ followers will take a step and do something. This is why I have the highest respect for people that are on the political front or on the social rights front. You know, fighting the good cause of Christ in a hostile environment. You know what? It's even difficult in public school nowadays. You know, for our children that are, that are being indoctrinated into all sorts of lifestyles that they have no business even knowing about at this point. But th- thankfully, there are some parent groups that are rising up and making their voice heard. Somebody has to say something. This is the role of a, of a real Christ follower. You're not, not mean about it, not nasty about it, but you're smart, you're wise, and you're strong in what you believe. But someone's got to say something for the condition of our schools or the condition of our, our community. James chapter 2, I'll just paraphrase. If you see a need, someone needs shoes or food, and you say, hey, God bless you, have a good day. What good does that do? But your faith should propel you to do something with good works. You know, you see my faith, I'll show you my good works. But a real Christ followers will, will see the need and, and, and provide some relief for somebody. This is a, a, one of the main reasons why we are involved with many of the parachurch organizations in town that are feeding the poor and uh, giving clothing away and providing housing and so forth. We're, we're involved financially and sometimes our people volunteer to get involved. But this is what real Christians do. Let me give you one more thing to think about before I give you the next one. This Saturday we're having, and Sunday, is Evangelism Weekend. I'm, I'm asking you, if you're a real Christ follower, I hope that you realize somebody's eternal life is at stake. Somebody in your family, your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, whatever. It, it would be up to us to pray for that person to come. Maybe even invite that person to come. A real Christ follower recognizes the need out there. People are dying and going to hell. People are struggling with all sorts of issues and problems. I believe, I still believe that Jesus is the answer. I still believe that. And I don't care what anyone has been through or going through right now. Jesus Christ is able to meet that need. So I'm calling upon the church. Please. Invite somebody to come next Saturday and next Sunday. Could you imagine if we have evangelists coming and, and they're only ministering to the church? Well, there's a place for that too, you know. There is a place for that. But I'm thinking of, you know what? I, there are a lot of people out here that don't know Jesus. And so I'm, I'm encouraging you, invite someone to come. Okay, here's number three. A real Christ follower emulates Jesus. We see this in verses 22 to 25, walking in his steps. Did Peter really mean that? We're we're to walk in the steps of Jesus? Yeah, he really did mean that. Let me me just paraphrase this real quickly. Verse 22. So reading your Bible, I'm going to give you the New Testament interpretation. As we emulate Jesus, we sin less. It says he committed no sin. Well, you know, we have this nature about us, but we're going to sin less. There was no deceit found in his mouth. We're not going to lie. 
We're not going to make up stories. We're not going to badmouth people. We're going to control what we say and how we live our lives. Verse 23 says uh, he was reviled. Well, we don't get even. We don't revile back. Uh, We don't fight back. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He said, love your enemies. Do good to those that hurt you and commit it to our heavenly father. Verse number 24 it says uh, that Jesus, you know, uh, bore, bore uh, in, in his own body our sins. We need to put our body on the cross. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. But you've got to deny yourself the way Jesus denied him. So remember Jesus said in the garden, Father, sweating, you know, drops of blood. Father, if, if, it's, if there's any way, if, if I could get out of doing this, Lord, let there be a different way. But nonetheless, not my will, let your will be done. And he obeyed the Father to go through with it. He gave his life as a ransom. And now he's calling us to give our lives to others and and to him as well. We see in verse number, let's see, uh, verse number um, 24, by whose stripes you are healed. We apply the blood of Jesus to our lives for healing spiritually, physically, emotionally, in every which way. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12.2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. So we emulate Jesus. We, he's our example. He's who, he's who we follow, but it, it spelled out so clearly what he did. He laid his life down, and now the Lord is calling us to lay our lives down. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Besides my dear wife, thank you for that amen. I wonder what would happen, like when you, if you read the book In His Steps, you'll read stories, it's a novel, but you'll, you'll see, read these accounts of people that literally did things the way Jesus would do them. How it changed a life, a family, a community, destinies. I can tell you, Pamela and I, you know, we're, we're, we're not big in the kingdom. I mean, we're, we're important because we're pastors, but there was a day when we had to make a decision. Well, first of all, will we follow Jesus when no one that we knew did? Yeah, we will do that. Will we, will we raise our kids in a godly environment and, and pour into them you know, God, godliness when people make fun of us for doing that? Yeah, we'll do that. Will you go to church all the time and be involved in, the, in your church? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that, Lord, I'll do that. But then it came down to a point of, after about 10 years, <clears throat> will you start teaching? Uh, Lord, I don't like to speak in public. Lord, you know I can't even... Sp- in college, I basically flunked the public speaking course because I was too nervous. You want me to do that? <sighs> Call me Moses. <laughs> I'll be Moses. All right, I'll teach. Uh, you want to be a youth group? Take the youth to Virginia for a, a, a Christian concert. Okay, we'll camp outside with all these young people. Okay, we'll do that. But then it came to a point where, will you pack up everything and leave? Will you go somewhere that I send you? Well, Lord, it depends where you send me. I'll go to the next town over. I can still see my mom and dad, you know. No, no, I'm going to call you to, uh, you know, a foreign country called Massachusetts. (laughs) 
Lord, I don't know about that one. Where's Massachusetts? I know it's north. That's all I know. But he kept, will you do it? Will you do it? Will you do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll pray about it. You you pray about it, Rick. (laughs) Someone said online the other day, sometimes the Holy Spirit is like the Holy Ghost hound. He hounds you. I was hounded. I told you this at one point. You know what I did? I I had two opportunities to go pastor a church, one in New Jersey, one in Massachusetts. I would literally walk the streets in New Jersey. I'd drive over there, and I would walk the streets praying. Then that, that opportunity came and went, but then this opportunity came in Webster. And I literally found a stick in my, I found a stick, like a wooden, like a branch. And I, at night, every night for about two weeks, I'd walk along the street where I lived with a stick in my hand, hitting the pavement, hitting rocks, hitting the telephone poles, saying, God, you have to speak to me about this. I, I'm good where I am. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go, but I, I, I wasn't settling in my heart. But see, I'm not saying everyone has to do that. But, you know, somebody here who's hearing this, you may hear it later. You may be called to go, forget about New York to Massachusetts. How about going from Massachusetts to China? Or Massachusetts to somewhere else, you know, far away, another country. I mean, basically, we have it easy when you think of it in that way. But there's some people that are going to be called to go somewhere to preach the gospel. What about this? What if you're called to go to a prison to preach the gospel, right down in Belric or somewhere local? Would you do it? Oh, I can't go to a prison. Why not? We'll hook you up with Brother Jesus. He'll get you set up in a minute. There's so many things to do. How about feeding the hungry right downtown? Uh, Lord, I don't know. I don't, know. I, don't, I don't do that. Well, maybe the Lord is calling you to do that. I'm saying when Christ is paramount in your life, your destiny will absolutely change. It will have to. Well, let me give you the last thing here. We emulate Jesus. The number four is this. I based it on verse number 25. A, a Christ follower, here it says that we've, we, we were going astray, but we returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. I would put it this way. A Christ follower today returns to the shepherd and overseer of our soul. In other words, I'm, I'm giving a little leeway. I'm giving a little leeway because sometimes we get lost in the forest. Sometimes we lose our way. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we don't do right. And we say the absolute incorrect thing. We hurt people even. But see, a real Christ follower won't wallow in the badness of what they just did. A real Christ follower will get up and say, okay, Lord, please forgive me for what I did. I repent. Living on 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, he's faithful to forgive and so forth. We return to the shepherd of our souls all the time. One year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 25, 30, 40, 50 years until we meet Jesus face to face. I'm always returning to the overseer of my soul. I don't know about anybody else. But see, a real Christ follower knows we're made of flesh and blood. We're going to mess up. You know what? Get over it. It's It's going to be all right. You know, it really is. There's no sin that can't be forgiven unless you blaspheme. But if you're concerned, you're not doing it. So whatever you're going through, you're dealing with, whatever bad decisions you made, it's going to be okay. Just keep coming back to the shepherd of your soul. The shepherd. Amen. Amen. 
I'll just, I'll just close with this, that John chapter 10 talks about the good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And don't you love the fact that the shepherds are in the story of the Christ child being born? But he, he, here the good shepherd is being tended to by the shepherds of the earth. But, but we, we, we have a good shepherd that looks out for the good part of our life. He, he, he wants good things for our lives. I, I have to encourage everybody. Sometimes I hear sometimes some people... I'll confess, I feel like this sometimes. Lord, everybody's against me. Nobody loves me. As my mother used to say, go in the backyard and go eat worms. I feel like going eating worms in the backyard. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I want to tell you, get up and know that God is not against you. God is for you. You know, he's not against you. I, I have to tell myself that sometimes. God is not against me. He loves me. He saved me. He called me. He called me to serve him like this. Really, Lord, you want to do that? Well, obviously he did. I just want to tell, tell you, we looked at it earlier, Romans 8, 31, I believe it is. What do we say to these things? What do we say to this? This word of God, this whole concept of accept, accepting Christ, living for the Lord. What do we say? We say what, what Paul said in that verse. He said, well... We say, if God is for us, who could be against us? It doesn't matter what comes my way anymore. I'm still, I said it last week, I'm still standing. I'm the Rocky personified in the spirit world. I'm still standing. You could knock me down, I'm going to get up again. I'm going to keep getting up until I make it to glory. So a real Christ follower will always come back to the shepherd. The shepherd's always there to guide, to comfort, to feed, to nurture, to, to, uh, to nourish, and to take care of. I'm so glad to tell you today, we have a good shepherd. It says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, rob, and destroy. But the shepherd, the good shepherd, has come to give life and give it abundantly. Not just life, but an abundant life. An enriched life in the spiritual realm, in the emotional realm, in the physical realm too. But God has come to bless our lives on this earth. We are, Peter said it earlier, we're a chosen people. We're a holy nation. We're God's own people, you know, living in this sin-sick world as one crying out, giving praises because he called us from darkness into his light. Hallelujah. So I would just summarize this. Are you a Christ follower today? Why don't we stand together? Are you a Christ follower? Are you, do you take the high road? Uh, I, I realize these are things we have to work on. Well, let me, let me rephrase. These are things I have to work on. But do we take the high road? I want to encourage you as a Christ follower, take the high road. Are you looking out for others? Are you looking out for opportunities to serve in the church or in the community? Talk to me. I could get you set up really quick. Are, are we emulating Jesus? Are we following his example? Do we do what he would do? Are we walking in his steps? I would encourage you. Find that book I mentioned and read it. You'll be blessed. Are you always coming back to the good shepherd? Make it a lifestyle. Make it a practice. If you, if you drift a little bit, let the Holy Ghost reel you back in. Let the pastor's phone call not offend you, but help you come back into the fold. 
Let your brother or sisters, you know, comment to you. Not, not offend you. Don't take offense. But you know what? People are looking out for your betterment. We want to see you in church. We want to see you at the finish line. We want to see you in glory. But a real Christ follower knows where our strength comes from. And that comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. I want to ask a question. I just have one question. I have one question. The question is this. Is there anybody in the house or online? You could write a comment if you're online. And you want to become a Christ follower with all your heart and all your soul. You won't be perfect, but you're going to give it your best shot. If you want to surrender everything, have you come to that place? Because you have to come to that place. Otherwise, you're, you're going to be floundering. Have you come to the place where you, you re recognize you've got to get on the cross? You've got to die to yourself and allow Jesus to cause you, to make you, to empower you to be born again. This, the word says when, when we accept Christ, the spirit of God dwells in us. Is the Holy Spirit living in you? If you're born again, he is. If you're not born again, he's not. You may feel him or sense him, but he's not in you until you surrender. And the more you surrender, the more we surrender, the more of God we're going to have. Anyone, raise your hand if that's you. I need Jesus today. Yes? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you all over the place. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, if you raise your hand, I, I want to just talk to you afterwards for a minute. So come see me at the altar if you can. But let's, let's say this prayer together. Repeat after me if you would, church. Dear God. Come on. Dear God. I need you. I've heard some things about you. But I need you. I realize that you know me. My failures. My sins. My problems. And I realize that you love me. Anyway. So right now, Lord. I've come to a place in my life. I've heard about Christianity and I'm sick and tired of being a lousy Christian. I want to be a real Christ follower, but I need your help. I confess my sins before you. I invite you to come into my life. I receive you, Lord as my personal Lord and Savior and master of my life. But Lord, I pray that in doing this, this will just be a beginning of seeing your hand of provision and direction upon my life. Help me, Lord, to live a life that's pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Dear Father, I want to pray for every, anyone who said that prayer, really meant it, and for the whole congregation, those online. I want to pray, Lord, that you would take our effort right now to get right with you. Lord, your word says in John chapter 1, as many as have received you, you've given them the right to be called the child of God. So, Lord, we have received you today. We receive it. We receive it in this country that we live in, this, this freedom, this freedom to do whatever we want to do. We have chosen to receive you, and we're thankful for the freedom. 
But Lord, now help us to grasp the, the awesome responsibility we have to represent you, whether it's on our workplace, or in our families, in our neighborhood, at our job, wherever we are, it's our role now to represent you. So Lord, help us to do that and to, do, to give you honor, not only in what we say, but in how we live our lives. And Lord, we know that you love to hear our praises. We know that we all love Sunday mornings, but Father, we pray that our lives would be a praise to you. The way we live, the way we think, the way we conduct ourselves will be a praise offering to you. So Lord, we thank you for this. I pray that the word preached today will have great impact on our lives in the days and weeks and months, even years ahead. Let, let this word change lives. And we thank you and praise you for it. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Okay. Can we read it together? For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. 1 Peter 2, 21. Well, I'm going to be at the altar if anyone needs prayer. If anyone received the Lord, I would love to talk to you for a few minutes. Uh, I will make this announcement. Uh, Pamela and I will be leaving for New York this afternoon to visit my 97-year-old mom. Please pray for us for Traveling Mercies. We'll be back Wednesday night. But as such, Sunday night prayer and Wednesday night in the Word will be postponed this week. So hope to see you on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night during prayer week. Bring someone next Saturday. God bless you. If you receive the Lord, come talk to me, please.